0: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sit with Snip podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Snitkovsky, and this is our solo episode and Tubishvat special. Um, I just wanted to get on here and really. Take a minute to reflect. We are 7 episodes in to this undefined season territory. I didn't cap this season. I started it kind of on a whim because I was over analyzing it way too much and kind of holding myself back and I am so grateful to all of you who listen. Um I say this on a couple of episodes but like I literally black out when I'm recording. <laughs> I don't remember what I say. I really feel like I'm a conduit for something greater, and I often listen to the episodes afterwards and it's like hearing it for the first time and I really mean when I say that I'm in this experience with you all. Like I am single what I listen when I listen to these episodes and the wisdom that is shared with our guests I'm benefiting too. So, like selfishly speaking, I'm so grateful. But I'm also just so tremendously moved by all of you. Um, those of you who have reached out and shared your vulnerability and who take the time to listen, it just it really means the world to me. Um, and if my ability to show up authentically on this podcast and vulnerably helps you in any way to do so in your own life and I feel like I've done what i needed to do in this world. Um, but before I lose track of my thought process, I'm really excited to bring in a little bit of some Torah light, wisdom, spirituality. I want to infuse it right now into your day because I'm recording on Tubishvat. There's so much redemption energy, redemptive energy in the air. And um, particularly in the conversation surrounding dating, I just feel like there is a lot to be said um, that parallels to and a lot of what I think those of us who are in this experience can really take away from. So, to on a surface level is the new year of trees. Now, why is it the new year of trees? It's dead winter most of the trees are bare. However, this is the time in which the, I mean, I don't know the inner workings of trees. However, what the Torah explains to us is that this is now when the process that happens beneath the surface, we don't see it, but this is when the trees start blooming from the ground and it comes out and we see a tree and we see a fruit. But I think that this holiday should be actually. The new year of fruit, um, because we're really celebrating the process that happens, as I said, underground, um, behind closed doors, something that we don't necessarily get to see, but we see later the fruit of that process. And I think that is such a parallel in dating. Um, I oftentimes like to bring in a little bit of like Rebbe Nachman Torah into my life. And I often just go on um, breastlove.org just to see what they're, you know, posting. And I I really do this a lot and I send it into a group that I have where I share Torah thoughts. And I found something that really spoke to me. And those of you who follow me on Instagram saw it. It's from Chaya Rivka She was writing about the blessings of to Bishvat, and she says the following: The Talmud instructs us that when a person enters the barn to measure the new grain crop, he should say the following blessing: "May it be Your will, Lord our God, that You send blessing on the work of our hands." Then he begins to measure and says, "Blessed be He who sends blessing into this pile of green." But if the person first measured the grain and then only recited the blessing. Then his prayer is in vain. That's because blessing can't be found in something that's already weighed out, measured or counted, but only in something hidden, something not yet assessed or which the eye cannot see. She continues, the concept of hiding what is precious to us until the appropriate season, time and place, when it is ready to blossom and fruit is a concept that permeates the Jewish way of life, right? a baby is hidden inside her mother until it's time to be born. A soulmate remains undetectable until the time is ripe to meet. Our spiritual treasures are guarded until they are ripe for revelation. When I read this, it also hit me about modesty, right? Like dressing modestly in Um, I had a teacher of mine when I was in seminary say, you know, what is hidden is blessed. And then when I was reading this, right, what the Talmud talks about is so clear. There can only be room for bracha, which is actually my first, my first name. My full name is Bracha Hana, but my whole life I've gone by Hana. And there can only be blessing when something is incalculated, right? Or else how is there room for that blessing to go in? Blessing comes from the, um, the word briach, right? It shares the same shoresh, the same root. Um, In the Hebrew Hebrew word briach means like a pool. So blessing is usually a pool, and you can't really constrict blessing. So when we go in and we're having this fixated idea about who we're going to marry, how we're going to meet them, we're fixating, we're confining the space for the bracha to grow. And even more so, not even just about the calculations or the measuring out being done before the blessing, right? If we calculate before the blessing, we're we're the ones trying to be in control. First, we need to give thanks. We need to acknowledge who is bringing this blessing down, right? Because you'll have that grain, but without that divinity, without that source, without connecting it to the source, Hashem, your creator, that's just a pile of grain, right? But if you infuse it with the blessing, then it becomes something. What I also connected with is the hiddenness of, of this, right? When something's hidden, it's precious to us. I think of a diamond in a rough, right? In order to get our beautiful diamond, we need to work at these rocks, right? These, these rough rocks. And only through pressure, intense pressure, do we create the finest diamonds. I know it's so much easier to say it on a podcast, um, put it in a pretty graphic and call it a day, but you're being crafted into the best version of yourself when you are going through the challenges that befall us when we're single. I also wanted to continue with what she was writing because she brings in about Rav Nassin. Anyone who doesn't know who Rav Nassin was or Rabbi Natan, um, Rabbi Nachman actually taught most of his Torah on Shabbat, which means there was no way for people to write it. But Rav Nassin, his greatest disciple, kind of his second in command, had a photographic memory. So he was able to remember every single word that Rabbi Nachman would teach and write it down immediately. It is in his merit that we know the Torah of Rabbi Nachman. And it happens to be that Tu Bishvad is also the birthday of Rav Nassim. He was born in 1780, which is in the span of actual Jewish history, literally yesterday. So the Rebbe tells us without the careful recording of his work from Rav Nassim, his beloved, you know, Nusaleh, his world changing teachings would have never seen the light of day. And anyone who reads about Rav Nussin's life knows that his entire life was devoted to bringing um, Rabbi Nachman's fruit to the world. And he did not have an easy life. He was persecuted, persecuted, not just by. The masses, but other Jews, um, his family even, because he was born of uh, the Misnagdim sect of Judaism, and he decided to follow a Hasidic master. So just unreal challenges and difficulties that this man um, endured to be able to bring out the, the light of, of Rabbi Nachman's Torah. Last week we read um, over Shabbat, Parashat B'Shalach, which is when we cross the Red Sea. And I actually have the, the merit, the skut of living, well, I live on Shabbat in in, in the same community as Rebetzin Yafa Palti. So I, I get to have, um, I get to hear her Torah quite often and I'm really grateful for it. And she was commenting over Shabbat that we often hear Hazal, our sages, say that creating a shirach is as difficult as splitting the Red Sea. Now, if we can all just close our eyes for a moment to try and picture this. The Red Sea, when we were going into the Red Sea, when we were exiting Egypt to get to Israel, we actually kind of made like a semicircle. We didn't necessarily have to cross the sea to get um to land. The land was on the same side. Okay. However, Hashem made it be that we had to cross the Red Sea. So if you can imagine, there were 12 different um, I guess like tunnels within the sea. And it all went in a semicircle. So one tribe's semicircle was going to be far shorter than the other tribe's large semicircle. But at the end of the semicircle, they would meet on the other side of the land. So too with Tzedachim, right? With dating. Some people will have maybe a shorter trajectory than others. But the same trajectory was true. It was beautiful in in the tunnels. They saw the same things. Hashem was with them equally. And when she was painting this picture of the semicircles, it just made me realize that perhaps the process in which we meet our significant others might be different, but it's still a process that has to be true and individual to ourselves. I'm going to keep reading from this article that Chaya Rivka Swolinski wrote because she now starts speaking about the song of the sea the Shirat Chayam, and last Shabbat was known as Shabbat Shida because it is the song of the sea that we get revealed to us and it talks about Moshe and the children of Israel singing this special song of praise and gratitude after the miracle of splitting of the sea Now, the splitting of the sea was an interesting um, experience and phenomenon as well. We're literally standing by water, and we know, we see the chariots of the, the armies of the Egyptians coming behind us. And Moshe, as he did before, he was always kind of the intermediary between the children of Israel and Hashem. So he starts saying to Hashem, Hashem, what do we do? And Hashem's like, this is not the time to pray. This is the time to do. So what happens? A person named Nachshon of the tribe of Yehuda says, you know what? I got to do something. So he steps into the water. A little, you know, like when you're going into the ocean or you're starting to like get into the deeper end of the pool, you start going on your tippy toes and the water is now rising from his chest. So late to his neck. But not one second does he turn around to look at the people like, guys, guys, it's not working. He keeps going in further and further until the water is literally at his nostrils. And the sea splits. How many times do we feel like we are being submerged underwater and we're waiting for that sea to split? But if the sea split for our ancestors before. Why wouldn't it split for us now? So we recite this song each morning, actually, in our prayers. And those are many benefits to be conferred on those who recite it with Kavana, right? With focused intent. But in the Song of the Sea, the children of Israel thank Hashem in great detail for the miracles they had witnessed, the ones He literally just performed. They, and we, when we recite it in our prayers, praise and thank Hashem for His glorious triumph, right? For tossing the murderous pursuers and their chariots into the sea, for bringing His people through safety on dry land and so far. And actually the Medrash, which is the allegorical part of the Torah, um, says that the whole world knew His glory. Because at that moment, Anything, any body of water, if you were in Thailand chilling on the beach or you were making soup in your kitchen, that water split. Hashem wanted the whole world to see that what he was doing for the children of Israel. And she goes on to say that the Song of the Sea, Shira Tayam, is not only about something that occurred previously, but it's about things that have yet to occur about the splitting of the seas in our life, right? She continues that, enduring during Tupeshavot, future blessings are hidden from us, just as the early stirrings of the sap in the trees are hidden from our senses. But now, starting last night, today, we were able to spread our tables with a bountiful variety of fruits, say each blessing on the fruit, and really thank our creator for this turning point in our lives tupijvat really marks a promise of what's to come right the future crop of the trees as well as an ending and all of the old and a beginning of the new i feel that this time of year especially i i think i've alluded to this in in different episodes or maybe those of you who follow me on instagram you've Instagram, you've heard me say this, and I learned it from my dear friend, mentor, Rabbi Kalani Cohen. And she teaches that time is actually cyclical, meaning if you can understand the energy of every month, you're able to further tap into what is currently the energy you're naturally sitting with. So the fact that every year, the weekly... Parashah of Beshalach, the Torah portion of Beshalach, is read to close proximity of the holiday of Tubishvat is not accidental. Um, I'm actually looking at this book called Orchard of Delights. Anyone who knows me knows that I read this book every single year. It's a parash- it's a parashah companion. It goes through every single Torah portion. And I- I've read it now. It's going to be five years, uh, going on six. It's written by Rabbi Avraham R.A. Trugman, And it goes through the pardae system of understanding Torah, which means we go on different levels of understanding the layers that are happening within what's being read. And for those of you who know me on a personal level, I like kind of sit in a more deeper (laughs) realm of reality on a natural basis. Like when people tell you not to read into things, like I'm in there. So I actually have to actively work on taking things at face value. That's the work I have to do in my life. But what I love about this is that Rabbi Trugman really offers an array of different perspectives that are all present when we read the Torah. So there actually are a lot of deep and beautiful allusions to Tupeshvat, which literally means the 15th day of the month of Shvat, um, and also with this Barashah. And a lot of that has to do with the healing power of trees on a symbolic level and to the Torah itself, right? Um, As well as this understanding of the process of rejuvenation that trees undergo and this season in particular. What I love about living with a deeper sense and deeper meaning um, rather than just simply, simply existing is that anything that I experience I know is not a new phenomenon, meaning someone in the history of the universe must have experienced something similar to what I'm experiencing right now. You aren't that special in that sense. But it's actually a relief in my mind because it means that the emotions that often plague me, I'm not writing this new script. Oh, there's a baby crying. Can you hear that? I feel you too. Being single is really hard. <laughs> yeah, I just love when things are like, you know, just like real. Anyways... You haven't, there's no need to write a new script. So when I look at Torah and I read a different parasha, I like to think that some of the things that I'm experiencing in my life can be found in the Torah and be experienced from the people that are being described. The altar Rebbe, right, the the founder of the Chabad movement and The writer of the Tanya actually says that if you want to have advice on what's going on in your life, look at the week's parasha, because you will find the answers that you're going through in your life mirrored in the Torah portion. Because this isn't an archaic book, it's a living, breathing manuscript and kind of instruction manual in a sense, of how people can live their life. There's this welling up of redemptive energy right now. And it's happening specifically um, in this time period, right? You know, Rabbi Trugman says that it's reflected in the consecutive cycle of three holidays that fall on the three full moons of the Hebrew months of Shvat, Adar, and Nisan. These holidays, which are Tu B'Shvat, Shushan Purim, which is the additional day of Purim celebrated in Wall cities, a.k.a. Jerusalem, and the first day of Pesach, symbolize both the transition of winter into spring and the welling up of the forces of redemption. The Jewish people's exodus from Egypt and transition from slavery to freedom is analogous to nature's transition from hibernation and inaction to rebirth and rejuvenation. The sap rising in the trees on Tupeshvat represents the beginning of the redemptive process that climaxed in the Jews' personal and national redemption from the narrow confines of Egypt on Pesach. So, further, from a deeper perspective, it's no surprise that this portion is always read right around two Bishvat. For in this portion, Israel is redeemed from slavery and leaves Egypt. Okay, great, Hannah. Like, I'm so happy that our ancestors left slavery. How does this apply to me right now? 2023, I don't have a ring on my finger. Like, can you just be real? As Rabbi Trugman said previously, it's not just a redemption on a national level, but on a personal level. What are the confines that are holding you back in your life? We've talked about this during the time of Passover, right? Which is in the month of Nisan, which is in a couple of months, weeks. <laughs> I'm not panicking yet. But we also have a time to touch into this redemptive energy now when things still haven't hit the surface? What are the things that keep you narrow? Is it maybe that you have a certain type that you want to date or think that you're meant to be married to? Are you narrow-minded in maybe the avenues in which you're searching or putting yourself out there to meet your potential partner? What are the narrow confines that are limiting you, constricting you from being free to be truly who you are? Are you scared of rejection? Are you placing too much importance on external validation? What is holding you back? Are you scared? It's normal to be. But if you remember that there is a divine entity that has always been with you, whether you acknowledge it or not, that has been there for your ancestors from the beginning of time and will continue to be with you, if you choose also to have a relationship with it, the freedom tastes a little bit more sweeter. I think there's different dimensions also when you look at a tree. I don't know, you guys. If, if you if you follow me on Instagram, I'm always taking pictures of trees and of nature because I'm bewildered by it. I, I don't know how someone can look at the world we live in and not believe that something orchestrated every single thing in it. So too with our lives. I think what I'm excited to – Look forward to um, unveiling with future conversations and with future speakers on the podcast is the continued understanding of who we are without the paradigm of being in a marriage, creating and better understanding our personal identities without a label. And what I mean to say by that is who are you? point blank. Because if you start to forget who you are, it doesn't matter if you're married or not. You need to be you no matter where you go in life. No matter what corner of the universe you reside in, you need to authentically be you and you have to want to be you. The question is, have you figured out who that person is yet? And if your identity is reliant, on a phase of life or an external value, you're going to subject yourself to a tumultuous existence. <laughs> I'm also really excited to cultivate conversations on how we can move through the, the hardships and the, you know, the pains of being single how can we come from a whole place when we're not yet ourselves whole, question mark? Or how can we come from a whole place as whole individuals that make up a new and hopefully bigger whole when we are united with our significant other? But more importantly, how does this also relate to our understanding of how the world works and that someone is with you through every step of the way it's just the beginning i'm very excited and i hope that the little bit of sparks that i've sprinkled into this episode connect with the deepest parts of you and permeate the the experiences that maybe are holding you back from journeying into your truth and who you're meant to be in this life. And I'm really excited for the rest of the journey. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to like, comment, share with a friend, connect with me on Instagram at sitwitsnit. And as always, it's all lessons and blessings. Stay tuned, friends. we oh,